Amen. Good morning, church. Great to be with you today. So good. It's almost afternoon. That is. Glad you are with us, though, and it's great to be in God's house with you. And a couple house uh, things that I do, and I do not like to say things in the, I want to step right into what God's saying to us, but I got to give you some clarity here. Uh, today, we have a prayer ride that everyone's welcome to come on. Uh, we meet here at the church at 345 and kickstands up at 4. So you received an email, if you're part of Full Toronto's email list, that we were going to do that prayer ride at like uh, 3 and 2.15 you're supposed to meet here. But I also had a funeral that was scheduled at 3 o'clock here on the property, which now is canceled due to COVID in the family. So just so everybody's on the same page, we are doing the prayer ride. You should be on the property at 3.45. We're kickstands up is 4 o'clock. That doesn't mean show up at 4. You need to be here at 345. Kickstands up, which says KSU on the email, means they're up and we're moving. And you won't know what's happening if you weren't here ahead of time. And I don't want you to cause any issues for us. So be here. And you are welcome to join us. I want everyone to know you are always welcome on our prayer rides. But if you're driving in a vehicle, you're not riding in our procession. We love you, but you're going to stay away from us, okay? So we will give you the address. It's eight minutes from the church. It's not a problem. We want you to be there. We are going to a family that uh, the, the dad of the family, he's only 31 years old. He is terminal with cancer. He has a wife and three little kids. Uh, two, five, and six, I believe, is their ages going off the top of my head in my memory. Um, we have not met them yet. We've been in communication with them. We're going there to pray over them. Please be a part of that. We have some things planned as we go there. And um, it's all about Jesus. That's the plan. Okay, and we want God to do something. I want him to do something in their life. I, I'm not, anyway, just be praying. Okay, so if you would, just pray for that family. We also have um, a date and a time for Pastor Rick's celebration of life, and we will be having that January 29th, 2 o'clock here at the church. It's the only details I have for you right now, so you are aware it is January 29th, 2 o'clock. That's a Saturday, so please join us for that celebration of life service for Pastor Rick, okay? Um, I think that uh, I won't do any more of those, and I'm ready to get going, except that somebody took my screen away, so now you guys are in big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I have them right here, so don't fear. Your prayers have been answered. All right, Father, we are so excited about what you have planned for us today. And Lord, thank you. We know we haven't seen anything yet. And God, I just want to see the new, the God plan that you have for us, God. Not Dave's plan, not our ideas, not the church's plan. Your plan, God, is what we want. And so reveal the very moment that you have for us to see in this revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm excited to be with you because I, I realized this morning as Justin was talking to you, Justin's the worship leader as he was saying some things, I recognize that, you know, I think I send uh, pretty much the same message every Sunday to our, our tech team. Not the same sermon, I mean the same message to them with my notes, which they get 6.30 Sunday morning, so you know how good they are? They're amazing, because that's as early as they ever get them, 6.30 Sunday morning. So, you are welcome. Let's think about this for a second now. I get done with the notes this, at uh, Sunday morning at whatever time that happens, and I'm getting them to send over to everybody that needs to have my notes ahead of a service time. And pretty much every time, the first thought that I have is to write, I'm excited for what God has planned for us. It's the first thing I want to say. 
It's like, I just have this incredible anticipation of God and what he's doing. Now, as we consider that then, and I came into the church today, I'm here early every Sunday I come in and uh, yeah, they got their, their stuff. They know what's happening. I know what's happening. I come up here and last Sunday, if you were here, you know, I put some tape on the floor. So I pulled all that up to get it out of here because it was kind of messed up. Somebody did that. I don't know what happened there, but it was messed up. I mean, I do know. I did it and Justin did it. So I know, but it was messed up. I ripped it up. When I pulled it up, I saw something else that I needed to, to do. First off, I was putting these orange X's on the platform for today. So if you see those, no, they were not there and they are brand new. I put those X's down there and I looked over and I saw there used to be, if you were here last week, you'll know, and there's some sticking stuff on our carpet, this black mark right here, there was tape. Um, gaff tape is, I think is what they call it. That's what the tech people use, I don't know. They always have to have their own stuff. So anyway, here it is, the two marks right here. So I wanna tell you something. Those marks have been on our platform since the beginning of COVID. So this is what happened. When, you know, we never intended on closing the doors of the church, but my pastor and my district leadership said, you have to close your doors. So we did for eight weeks. As soon as our governor said, go, we went. We won't close them again. And that's not a, I'm just letting you know. And all of our authority people over me and all of us, we're all in agreement. And we won't shut the doors again. However, trying to, you know, be careful with everybody and then reinviting everybody else. I was doing service here, as you know, for eight weeks um, without you. We had live streamed for a long time. God prepared us for that. So this is what was going on. Heather and Justin were back in the tech uh, area to send you guys the service. And I was here preaching to an empty house. And so I don't know if it was James or Heather or both of them. They put some lines on the floor for me. That's what those two diagonal black lines were. And the reason for that was they had the camera set up right there and I couldn't step outside those boundaries or I'd be off camera for you because we didn't have a camera person to move with me. So um, I, this is all important for you to know, believe it or not, it was for me. Um, but so there was a couple things that I had to change. Remember, I'm committed to change, right? Preaching to an empty house. Two people in the tech, talking to a camera, giving God's message and having boundaries so I can't move outside of these. So if you know me uh, and you've been around here, you know, like, I, I don't stand well. Right? <laughs> I don't stay in one place very often and I can't, like, that's just not part of who I am, right? So now I'm, like, confined. So I had to learn how to preach to nobody and set yet somebody, and I had to stay within these boundaries, so I'm like making my paces back and forth and doing my thing and my message and not going outside the line and doing all this. So that was happening for eight weeks. Now when we got together again and we had a camera person, I was allowed <laughs> to expand my boundaries, right? Okay, so here's the thing. That... I do have issues, I already told you guys, I, I want you to know, I, I'm, I realize that, okay? But like, I didn't like my boundaries, I like my freedom. And today was the first day I took that tape off the ground. And how long's it been, man? It's coming up on two years, and yet that tape was still on the ground. 
So today I was like, I don't know why I left that there. Let me rip that up. And I started pulling it up. And when I pulled up that tape, man, I was totally blown away about something that took place inside of me. I had emotional response to removing that tape. Now, I mean, that's kind of weird. I get it. But you got to stay with me for a second. Because I was like, what is going on? You know, because I felt something. And as I pulled up the tape, I was like, <laughs> I realized that in my head, that was still affecting me and telling me, don't go here. I didn't know it, but it was a constant thing in my head, even while I'm talking to you. There's a lot of stuff up here. <laughs> All right, there's a lot going on. And so I'm trying to like, there's notes, there's boundaries, there's people, there's a camera, this is going on. All the while I'm like, God, please speak through me. So you know it's a miracle if you hear anything. It's all God. All right, okay. But I did not realize that the boundaries that I had established or that were given to me, I, won't, I didn't establish them, they did, and the camera did, but those boundaries that were given to me were affecting me for almost two years. And I didn't need them. That's crazy. And I felt this emotional release when I pulled them up. And I was like, man, God, that is nuts. And then as he was speaking to me in that moment about that, like I was like, wow, why am I feeling that? God was just talking about the message. He was bringing everything together. We did it in the music, singing, proclaiming his word, speaking the message that he has. And I want all of you to hear this today because God spoke to me in that moment and he's saying something to you that many of you are living within boundaries that God himself did not establish and God himself has set you free from, but you're still staying here and you're trying to live your life according to what you've been told, you've been dictated to, and it's not something God has done. Set yourself free, man. Get rid of it. Today's the day. Be free, man, and start to live within God's boundaries. They're amazing. One of the things that God showed me as I was reading his word, you know that passage, it troubles my heart, man. It says that it's from Jesus when he says, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way to destruction, and many go there. That's a really scary verse. It really is, because that's Jesus talking. And he says, few, few find it. I'm like, whoa, God, man, I want to be one of the few. And here's what I realized. It's not like a tight walk, rope walk when you're walking with God. It's not like, whoa, it's that narrow. Don't screw up or step over. When you're in the middle of it, it's wide. <laughs> it's like God's grace and mercy are like, whoo, I got no problem standing where God's called me. But man, when I try and do it on my own, yeah, I'm screwed up. So here we go. What is it that God's going to do today? He's so, so good. He is. So let's hear it. This is from Proverbs chapter 19. And I have to admit to you that I'm not a person that spends a lot of time in Proverbs or Psalms, either one. I'm not. Uh, we won't go into that. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's called wisdom literature. So now you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Let's stay on track. Ready? Here's what it says in, in uh, Proverbs 19. Listen to this verse. It's so cool. When I read it, I was like, wow, I feel like I never read that before, but it's always been there. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste 
makes mistakes. I read that and I was like, oh man, God, that is like good. That is so true. And I love how practical this is and how real it is in our lives. Because I'm telling you right now, people, I won't just blame people, I'll say Dave. God, sometimes I, I see in the past where I've gotten so excited about something and I've made an emotional decision without thinking it through, without processing it, without talking to someone, without prayer. It was just like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm in. Let's go. You know? And then you go on in that thing and you move forward and, you know, we don't little, very little about it. We don't even know what it's about, but it strikes us in that moment and therefore I'm all in. And it may not be anything God wants you involved in, but you didn't pause to even ask. Because something in that moment was driving you to an emotional decision. Like you felt good about it, or you felt excited about it, or it tickled your fancy. Whatever you want to call it, something emotionally impacted you. And so I'm enthusiastic about it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this thing. And then you get over here and you're like, what were we doing? Why are we doing this? Oh, there's consequences to that. Wow. I'm in something, and it's heavy. How'd I get here? <laughs> okay, so what happens when we begin those things and we make those decisions and we're all in the moment? Listen, it says this in the Word of God. Haste makes mistakes. And we all know that. We know it's true, but we've all done it. I hope you don't do it this week, but we've all done it. And even with that knowledge, even with God's Word speaking to us, even with the Holy Spirit going, stop, whoa, slow down. Here's what's happened, and we know, and we do these kinds of things, and we make that emotional, enthusiastic decision in the moment. And we know better. See, what I, I recognize some things in my own life that sometimes I've made those decisions that something inside of me is trying to tell me no, but I act like I don't know that or I don't hear it and I'm making an emotional enthusiastic decision based on what I think could be what I imagine might be and I think it's going to be great and I also don't want to think about it and I don't want to hear from you because I've already made a decision right in here I'm doing that See, when God's word talks to us, it's like, you know, you make these hasty decisions based on your emotions and you need to stop for a moment. You know what's cool about this verse right here? It doesn't stand alone. There's a follow-up to it and this verse just sets the foundation for us today. Listen to the verse again. Enthusiasm without, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, I should probably get this tattooed on my arm <laughs> as not only a reminder for me, but when the multitudes of church people come up to me and like, why is this happening? It's like, <laughs> hey, read God's word. Yeah, it's your fault, dummy. <laughs> Stop blaming God. It was you. All right? 
Man, we're like, God, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And he was like, the whole while I was saying, don't stop now. Don't go there. It's like, man, I'm so excited. Man, I can't wait to do this. And I was like, God, why did you let me get here? Why did you let me ruin my life? What's your problem? I'm angry at you. I'm telling you off because God, you're God and you should know better. Come on, man. God's word tells us that we do this in our own foolishness and then we're angry at God because of the results. I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with this. Not in my own life, although I've dealt with it in my own life. I'm saying as a pastor, I, I'm telling you, it's so ridiculous. It's happening today, right now, in, in this very moment where someone is doing this with their life and I am trying to reach out to them and call them and say, no, you know better. You know you can't do this. You know you're making the wrong decision. God's word says you're making the wrong decision. Not going to listen. I am emotionally involved in something. I'm all in. Ignoring everything that God has to say. And you know, as I cry out to this individual, I already know. It's in the word of God. There's going to be a moment when that person snaps out of their own stupidness, looks around at the wreckage, and be like, why? Man, it breaks my heart. So here's what's happening. My wife is the only Christian in her family. She's the baby of five kids. Her father was a claimed atheist. I always say claimed atheist because no one's a true atheist. He was a claimed atheist. Didn't let her go to church. When she would ask about God, he'd say, you can deal with that when you get old enough on your own. God's so amazing. That little girl was like, she had a heart to know God. And God used her to lead me back to him. It's so cool how God does this. But that's like not what this is about. As her and I got together, committed our lives to Christ, we're married, I began, you know, preaching from that start and pastoring a church. Her father had a heart attack and died at the age of 58. Um, what happened was, you know, we got a call early in the morning from one of his friends that was supposed to meet him for work and said, hey, he's not answering. Do you know what's going on? My mother-in-law was out at her sister's. No one was living at home at the time. He called us because we were right there. Kim and I went down the road. She had lived all her life just up the street from me. We went down to the house, had to break in, and um, found my father-in-law in the chair dead. Now, you know, he's a young man, 58 years old. Terrible life choices in many areas of his life. He's dead in the chair. I sent my wife down the street to my sister-in-law, uh, Dave and uh, Dale was a baby at that time, sent them down the road, and I stayed with the body, making the calls to everybody. He called mom and told her to come. Family, I'm there. Everything's transpiring. Um, my mom, my mother-in-law gets there, and uh, her two sons are helping her in the house. She's distraught and can't even keep her legs under her. I'm watching all this happen and my heart is breaking, you know. 
I was a young pastor. I, you know, this is the closest person in my life that has died. I'm watching this happen. I can still see it like it was today as the front doors open and they're coming through the door supporting her. And my brother-in-law looked at me who is the namesake of my father-in-law and he looked at me so angry and he said, why did God do this? And I'm telling you what, it just blew me away. I was like dumbfounded when the words came out of his mouth. I was like, I didn't think you knew he existed. You aren't doing anything about him. You don't even know him. You claim that he doesn't exist. And now in this moment, you're like, why did he do this? And it's like, here we are. We're in the moment of that very verse where we've made life decisions on our own my father-in-law, that family, saying no to God, claiming he doesn't exist, making life choices that would destroy them physically and every other way, having been a regular drinker, chain smoker, other things in his life, and here he's dead, and now it's God's fault. I'm like, what? I was like, I couldn't even speak. I was so taken back. It was God that just bridled my tongue in the moment. It was. There's no doubt about that as I step back. But church, listen, I want you to hear me because see, there's so many people even in the church that are ignoring things that they already know God is saying to them or has said to them. And they're ignoring it. And they're willfully, enthusiastically blowing right by God's barriers and warning signs. And we're like, no, I'm all in. I've made my choice. And there's going to be that moment where it's like, oh, crud, this is not where I want to be. And many will turn to God and blame him. It says so right there in the word, right? It happens. People do it. Get themselves in terrible situations. And now it's his fault instead of our fault. So as we look at those two verses and we put them together, it's like, man, when we make those emotional, crazy decisions, we mess ourselves up. I've done it. I've done it. Like, I, I take care of our finances for our family. Not, it's not a control thing at all. It's just how we work together, my wife and I. One of the things is like, you know, if I'm like, hey, babe, I, I want to get a new Harley, she'd be like, cool, go get it. <laughs> you know I mean seriously she's like that good about it like oh I want a new gun oh yeah nice buy it like she's like man make it happen I don't care she's awesome like that right I mean seriously there's not a lot of women that are like that you know I mean sorry ladies I don't mean that disrespect most of them would be like putting up some boundaries and she's just like yeah go do it you know and so it's like it's not good for me because <laughs> that's why I don't visit Harley dealers very often because it'd be like Ticks, ticks, ticks. Hey, toots, hey, you got to see this one. <laughs> I made a call. I'm sorry, but I got to tell you, so so funny. I went, I had a bike that only had 8,000 miles on it. It was like new, you know, but it had an issue, like recall thing. And I was in the Harley dealer and I was like, hey, you should see this new bike over. She said, why don't you get it? Trade that other one in and buy that thing. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> uh, tail salesman like, yeah, no, she told me to do this. And he's like, what? I said, you know, my wife wants me to look into this. Let me take it for a ride. I ended up buying the bike, right? So we traded in, buy this new bike. It's, I don't have it anymore. Something else came up. Anyway, so 
Here's the funny part, right? So I'm getting this new bike from, I had a full dresser and I bought that bike for my wife so she'd be comfortable, right? Because she literally falls asleep on the back of the bike when we're riding places because she loves it and it relaxes her and I feel her sinking on me. And she's like, hey, babe. <laughs> All right, so we're in a full dresser because I'm thinking, you know, now she's got an easy chair. She can lounge and be comfortable. And she's like, ah, that's an old geezer bike. No disrespect to you guys that drive them. She's like, we're not there yet. Don't, you don't have to have that for me. Get that other one. It's cool. I'm like, I love you, baby. <laughs> All right, so I'm talking to the dude. and Sorry, we're getting way distracted. But it's important that I tell you this because you see, on the back of the bike, if you buy a bike that doesn't have that big backrest, you can buy a backrest that slips on, it's removable, right? And there's big ones and small ones. And I tell the salesman, I want the small one. I said, my wife will want the small one. He goes, your wife will not want the small one. She'll want the big one. I'm like, dude, my wife will want the small one. Trust me. He's like, no, she won't. I said, I'm gonna text her right now and I'm gonna show you her response, right? I want to tell you why. Like the big one, of course, more support, comfort, and everything. The small one looks cooler, right? It does. It's what's on my bike out there if you look at it. So I text him, her, and I'm like, hey, salesman wants to know if you want the big one or the small one. She goes, I want the small one. I showed him. I'm like, I've been married to this woman for 30-some years, just so you know. And that's why. <laughs> they were blown away, you know? They wanted to bring her in to be one of the floor personnel and stuff. But here's the thing. Like, I did this. This is all emotion, right? It's based on the moment. And I've gotten myself in trouble because, like, she's all in. She's good with it. Like, yeah, fine. I'm making these decisions because, like, I got her support. Who else do I need? Well, probably you should look at your budget. Probably you should talk to God. Just maybe. Maybe you should consider what else is going on around you in your life, right? But no, I don't want to hear any of that because I want this. And it looks amazing. <laughs> and I know it looks cool. And I mean, come on. She said yes. Why not? Enthusiastic decisions with no knowledge. I had affirmation from where I knew I'd get it. I got the answer I wanted. Made a decision based on the fact that, hey, if she's good with it, I'm good with it. We're all good. God, I'm not even asking. <laughs> yes, isn't that crazy? Then you're over here and you're making payments on that bike. And things in the market starts to go down and you're like, ooh, I gotta write that check again. <laughs> Seems like I turn around and there's another one. Like, oh, really? I thought I just did that, right? You know what I'm saying? I don't have that bike anymore. I'm not writing that check, just so you know. God's gracious and he let us go, right? So, but you get yourself in, in those moments. Some of us have done that with our life. Life decisions. And we have no one to blame but ourselves. but we're always blaming somewhere else because it's my wife's fault that she said yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna blame God I'm blaming her. She did it. She did. <laughs> I hear that sympathetic awe oh, over there. Yeah. Anyway, so as we consider this again, let's revisit our tape marks on the floor, and we'll speed along because I apologize, but here we go. We're over here in this section of our life. We're bringing this X into play. 
wherever you were, are, whatever was going on. Remember, we were talking about this. This is the place God leads us to that surrender, trust, and obedience. I have to surrender to what he says, like the verse Oni was talking about, like lose myself, take him, and make that decision to be obedient to him. So here we are. We're saying no. We're making excuses. We're enthusiastically stepping this way rather than this way because I can justify or I get called or something else is happening where I move away from that place God has called me to and so now I'm right here in this space. Here I am. God's plan was for Dave to say yes. God's plan was for you to say yes when he called us to this moment. Now, God's plan was when we say yes to take us into this section of life, develop us, grow us, bring us to the next place where he can bring us to another yes, surrender, grow. See, this is that spiritual maturity as I grow in Christ, become more Christ-like, less Dave, more of him, less of me. And so at this point in my life, this is where God intended for me to be, this X. That was God's plan for my life. But many of us have altered this plan and have lost this spot. Don't don't get lost right there. Stay with me. Due to the fact that I'm not willing to say yes here or I've allowed myself to be deceived or to go enthusiastically this way. And when I find myself here and I wake up not there, I'm looking at God saying, you're the one that should have me there. Why am I in this place? And I'm angry at God because we see that there's a mess in my life. There's a mess in my relationships. There's brokenness everywhere I look and things are happening not any way, shape, or form like I dreamed for my life that it would be or that God dreamed for my life that it would be. And here I am. We rarely take responsibility for this moment. We, we are here. And so I want to remind you in this moment right here that God is not like building your testimony by keeping you in this place. He's not. That's not his intention. God's never been intended on you living in sin and disobedience. He's called us to repentance, right? So when we're here, I've heard a lot of people in church say, you know, God led me that way to give me a testimony. I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. He didn't take you anywhere. You did it. You have a free will and you chose to ignore what he was telling you long ago. And you made the decision to do your thing and you're the one that screwed up and all that brokenness that's around you, God didn't cause that. You did. And God never intended for you to screw people up. He meant for you to be a light and a witness and a surrender truth of who he is. And so here we are blaming God in, in other ways for that brokenness like I feel better about myself if I like oh God did this God planned for that God did all that destruction I'm right where he wants me to be no you're where he loves you now but it's not where he intended for you to be you gotta hear that man we're looking at what God's word talks to us about so he's been warning us and telling us putting up like barriers giving us signs sending us messages and there we go Okay, so now let's see this as we go. The thing is, is that when I make these decisions, it affects other people. When I step away from that 
and I make my emotional decision and stuff, it's not only affecting me and my relationship with God, it's affecting everyone else. Because you see, the financial stupidity on my part would affect my wife, it would affect our kids, it would affect our living, right? You know what I'm saying? But let's talk about that in a spiritual sense and understand that some of the decisions that we make are impacting other people's spiritual lives as well. And we don't even think about that because you see in the moment that we're making this decision, it's all about me. It's about what I feel like, what I want, what I'm desiring. And so it's self-focused. And so when it's self-focused, I really don't care about what you need, want desire or how it's going to impact you it's so messed up isn't it so many people in the christian community even have stayed right here and negotiated with god never surrendered and they've stepped over here in their relationship with god and they're kind of living in this like numb space we no longer like sense the moving of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't really talk to us like he did. We don't have that kind of relationship that we used to. And we kind of have grown into this layered Christian. Most of them are cantankerous, um, crotchety people that you really don't want in your church or to be around. But they're all about Jesus, you know what I mean? So here we are, and they're in this space. And as they sit here, They've grown so numb that they don't even recall that moment. So they're trying to serve God over here, right? And that's God's call. But we're still trying to serve God. So they find themselves doing things religious, um, self-driven, self-serving, trying to please God by their actions when God's only asking for a surrender. So as we're doing this, church, listen, because we've ignored that, put that out of our mind and forgotten, God has not forgotten. This is where God wants us. He's not going to teleport us over there. We're trying to work our way to that. And God's saying, what I need is for you to surrender to what you already know you need to surrender to. Maybe you've forgotten I haven't, God says. I've been warning you. I called you. This is where I was drawing you. You ignored it. You walked that way, not me. God's called us. Look, free will is our decision. And everyone has free will. And I know there's a lot of Christian people that don't want to own up to free will because we'd rather blame God for everything that's bad and everything. But the fact of the matter is when God created Adam and Eve, free will existed because he said, right there's a tree, don't touch it. And they had a decision to touch it. Free will. It exists today. You and I can choose to do God's way or our way at any moment of our life. Dear God, help us. It's scary, isn't it? There's times I wish God would just like, done with that. Free will is over. You're going to do what I say. And I'm like, I want to pastor that church, God. <laughs> no. Uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, here it is. Like, so the amazing thing about God is you could have been over here, you know, serving him on your own will and your own religiosity and your own whatever you want to call it or justify yourself in. And this amazing God, he is 
he's so incredible that when you finally wake up and you're like, well, how I get here? And God's like, come here for a minute. I want to show you something. Remember this? <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. So it's 30 years later. And we're finally getting to that. Please forgive me, Lord. His amazing grace. Oh, he's so amazing, man. Just comes in. <laughs> and he's like, okay, stop now. And if it's been 30 years you've lived in this little box, whatever stupid thing you were doing, oh, God says, let's go now. He doesn't magically teleport you up there. He doesn't. You're not going to be right there when you've been floundering 30 years of your own decisions. He takes you right here. His mercy is new every morning. Isn't that cool? Like when you think about that, like I'm over here for 30 years living and God's like, today's a new day. Are you ready? Come here. I want to take you on this journey. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather do this. Then tomorrow, come here. He's so good. He's doing that to some of us that are listening to this message right now where God's like, hello, come here. Let's go there. It's never too late to go here. Never, unless you're stop breathing. It's the only time it's too late. You can come to this spot where God's called you at any moment as long as you breathe this planet there and God will forgive you. He's so, so good. As you step here though, church, don't think that the decisions you've made won't have consequences. Because see, just because God's forgiven, I don't mean just because. I mean, that's amazing. When God forgives you, what you were doing over there still has consequences in the lives of those around you as well as your own. For instance, if you, I'll just use a real simple one. If you were, uh, no, I won't. I had a really hard time with this in the first service too. I started to say something. I'm like, I already know there's people in front of me doing this and I don't want them to feel like I'm picking you out. So the thing of the matter, fact of the matter is like if you were an addict of some kind um, and you stayed in your addiction, again, God didn't take you into that addiction to give you a testimony to come out of it. You chose to go there and you haven't surrendered to give that to him so he could set you free from it because his word says he'll set you free. Any addiction, God's got it. But some of us remain in our addiction and the consequences of that addiction have impacted people, relationships, lives, and all that stuff. We get freedom, God forgives us, we're delivered, we're over here now. That doesn't change what has been done around me. The brokenness in their lives and those situations still exist. I'm just forgiven. <laughs> Again, I don't like using that word, but you know what I mean? Like, so we're right with God. So I'm gonna go down my journey with God now with some, yeah, heartache that I've created that will follow me the rest of my life, which was never God's plan nor his intention, but it happened because I didn't say yes when he called me. So please, today, whatever age you are, don't screw it up, man. Make today your yes. Let God do what God wants to do in and through your life today. So let's step into that full forgiveness that he has for us, right? 
So we glance back into the Old Testament really quickly and recall this. This is what happened. God was leading his people, calling them to be his people, giving them the direction of their life. You know the history of Israel? They weren't really good at it. They continually said no to God's surrender. They were like, yes, no, yes, no. That was them. Finally, when God said, like, you know, you guys think you're so secure in who you are, he's like, you need to do what I'm telling you or else. And God drew a line, and this line was a really serious one. He sent the prophet Jeremiah and said, look, if you don't repent, God's judgment's coming, and he's going to destroy this place. And they were like, oh, God's not going to do that. We got the temple. We got all this stuff. We got his name. We're good. We're good over here. See, they were living right here himself. And God was saying, like, you're not doing what I'm telling you. And you have to do what I'm telling you. I'm drawing a line. The line that God drew was utter destruction of everything they knew. So the prophet Jeremiah tells them the king of Babylon's coming. They're going to be taken to captivity. God's going to bring this. So, you know, it happens, of course. Now, again, innocent people get hurt by decisions of the majority. So not everyone wasn't following God, but the majority were not following God. Remember that, America. And so as a result of their disobedience to God, judgment fell on the entire nation. However, God is so good to his people. If you remember the first captivity, he took away some people without the big violence. The people that were following him, God's people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God took them into captivity as a preservation God's mercy. Isn't that cool? We would never think being taken from our nation and our home and being taken somewhere else would be God's mercy. It was God's mercy. Because what was going to come was going to be utter destruction as the people still refused God. And so destruction came, as you know, looking into the Old Testament. As Babylon came against the city again, this time there was no mercy. The walls were torn down homes were destroyed God's temple was destroyed people were slaughtered it was the end Jeremiah had given a prophecy in his word from God that said 70 years you'll be taken over there and then God I will bring you back because I'm good to my word and I will save that remnant and restore you he's so merciful isn't he he's so good man so here we are we're in the midst of captivity Daniel is serving God faithfully. He's an awesome dude, man. He's just, he is a hero of the Bible. I mean, like whatever situation, seeing his government collapse, seeing the new government collapse, seeing another government collapse, he just stayed true to God. Walked through it all. God lifted him up because he served him. He's amazing. He's reading Jeremiah's book like 70 years. Hey, wait a minute. Let me look at my calendar. Dude, we're right there. God, you promised deliverance. You're going to do this, God. I know you are. Forgive us for what we've done. We're here because of what we've done, not because of you. We've sinned against you, God. Restore us. Make it happen. God's like, here I am. So good, man. So here it is. A people living in, in a city and a country of oppression, darkness being dictated by the enemy. God's there, church. God's there. People feeling destroyed, Oh, hopeless and all that. Now, here it is. God did put them there. This is where we want to blame God, right? No. God put them there because they chose not to follow him. 
See, that's how we get confused and where we blame God of where we are and why we're there. God did put them in Babylon because they chose to not follow his way. Still our choice. Consequences. Here we are. Now, listen to this. God had warned them multiple times. God's good to his word. He did what he said he'd do, and God will do what he said he'd do again. So here in the midst of it all, I want to read this message. It's so great. God sends a message to the prophet Isaiah. And it is so cool when we read this together. Listen, here it is. God makes a proclamation to his people. Because he is merciful and forgiving, this is what he sends. I am the Lord. Now listen, I want you to hear that for a second because remember, these are people living in a non-God country in a place of oppression having been taken from their homes and everything lost and destroyed. God's reminding them who He is. I am the Lord. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters making a dry path through the sea. Recalling history. That's what He's doing. He's like, hey, y'all, remember when I opened the Red Sea and your ancestors walked right through? That's who I am. I'm reminding you I'm God. I'm the God that moved in history. I'm the one that brought you from that place of slavery into the opportunity to have a new life. That's who I am. I called forth the mighty, man, that's so great, of the, all the army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick god's like you guys didn't do a thing that was me i did it now listen cool cool stuff but forget all that <laughs> it is nothing compared to what i'm going to do Man, I love this because remember where we're talking to these people. God is sending a message to a people that feel lost, discouraged, hopeless, empty, no plan, no vision, no home, no temple, no nothing. And God says, I'm still God. I still have a plan. And I'm good to my word. Now you can see what I've done in the past, and it's real. But man... Forget about that. Remember the song we were singing about a little while ago when Justin brought that thought out? You ain't seen nothing yet. For all you've seen, you ain't seen nothing yet. That's God right there. This is what he said. Forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? Church, we've got to open up our eyes beyond our current circumstance, beyond what we think is dark and depressing and seeing things as broken and unfixable to look at what God is doing, for God is a God of the new. We are continually looking for God to retread what He's done, and God's like, I already did that. I'm going to do something new. Are you ready? Ready or not, let's do it. Keep your eyes on him because God wants to do something new. God does have a plan, believe it or not. And God is good to his word. He's going to take you on his journey when you surrender and look to him. And God is not doing the same old thing. He says, look, I'm a God of power. I'm a God of creativity. This is who I am. No one ever walked on 
the dirt, the dry ground, parting a sea before I did that for you. Yes, he did it like three more times in the Old Testament. He did. Sometimes God revisits things for a purpose, but this is where he says, I'm about to do something new. You ready? Check it out. This is me. Here I am. I'm God. You got your eyes focused? Have you surrendered? Church, I got to bring this to a conclusion and, and invite you here. I know that some of us that are in this room are over here. We're no longer even there, let alone here. We're back here. We've already enthusiastically, emotionally made a decision to step away. God's calling you. Whoever you are, whatever's going on in your life, God's calling you. And he's calling you to there so that you might surrender and end up here. Please respond. For those of you that maybe are here, but spent a lot of time there, and maybe some other people have created issues because they didn't say yes and it's impacted your life, that God has not abandoned you. God is calling you and he's got a new plan. Isn't God awesome? I love the fact that God has a new plan for us. Just because I'm not over there like I should be, because I've made stupid decisions and lack of surrender doesn't mean God's like, well, I'm just gonna leave you in this spot and I hope you do pretty well there. Oh man, God's got a new plan. He just said so. I'm gonna do something new. Let's go do this. So God's gonna take you on a journey that only God can take you on, but it's gonna require your surrender all the time. All the time, church. Empty of self, full of him is what it's all about. Altar's open. Stand with me. Let's get out of here. Don't leave before you make things right with God, with whatever he's dealing with you about. You know, we sang the song, come, now is the time. It is today. I just feel this urgency inside of me, this excitement inside of me that, you know, we're not going to live in the norm in the future. God wants to do something new, and he is calling us to that. So I'm asking you to just hear him today as you surrender father we love you thank you so much for jesus thank you for your faithful holy spirit oh thank you holy spirit thank you for the waving the flag thank you for telling us to stop don't go there thank you for calling us down from our emotional desires and saying whoa whoa whoa, whoa. lord help us in this moment every one of us to hear you holy spirit right now right where we are before we make shipwreck of our life or further shipwreck of our life oh holy spirit bring mighty conviction down <laughs> in jesus name Lord. in jesus name Lord. all right church i'm going to dismiss you but i just feel in my heart that more that god wants to do for you so you got to listen God bless you, man. It's amazing to be with him. He is so good. And his mercies are new every morning. Listen, he's calling. God bless you. Thanks. We'll see you later on today.